0: Hey, and welcome to a podcast version of the Cross Eyed Life blog. We haven't done an audio teaching in uh, quite some time, done a lot of video and uh, a lot more writing, but I thought we'd get back to some of our roots where we used to be at Cross Eyed Life. My name is Andy Addis. I'm the pastor at Cross Point Church, and uh, this is another teaching outlet of our ministry where we want to engage the world in a conversation uh, regarding anything spiritual. So, thought we'd take just a few minutes and go over a quick Bible study from the book of Nahum. I recently finished doing a couple of back-to-back devotional series that were all out of a workbook and I'm kind of done with that. It was good. It's always good to have a commentary roll along with you and kind of participate in something together. But my favorite time of devotional time was just reading through a book of the Bible, and and so I've kind of gone back to that for the next few weeks, and I want to journal along and kind of envision myself even writing my own commentary, hopefully that one day my kids will look at or... At least somebody will pull out of a box. But uh, for now, there was a verse that jumped out of me in this minor prophet. It's a book that's that's probably not so well read in our day except on those annual reading programs. But man, just full of great stuff. It's the book of Nahum, three short chapters. The word Nahum means comfort. And uh, it's really a distressing title, if I can be honest with you, because Nahum is full of this destruction of the Assyrian people. And so there's the, nothing really comforting about it, unless you're one of the people that they've dominated, which Judah, God's people, were. So Nahum, these words of the destruction of the people of Assyria or the people of Nineveh would be a comfort to them. Now, I, I want to title this something that's going to be a little bit provocative. And here's the title. God will not excuse our sin. Whoa, 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 wait. What about forgiveness? What about mercy and grace? Mm -hmm. God will not excuse our sin. Now, let me make this make sense in the context of what we're going to look at. In Nahum chapter 1 here. First of all you may have recognized Nineveh or Assyria and you say I've heard that from the story of Jonah a much more popular prophet. People really like the story of Jonah because of the whole fish episode and getting vomited up on the shore and they know that he went to Nineveh and he preached a message of repentance and all of Nineveh repented and it's absolutely a great story of how God's mercy can break through even the the toughest of armor and we know that Nineveh and the Assyrians they were different difficult people. There was probably no culture in known history that were as brutal with what they did to people and those that they conquered, uh, the way they tortured and the way that they they just totally dominated any culture that they went into. These were wicked, evil people. That's why Jonah didn't really even want them to come to the Lord, but they did. And we know that story in Jonah that the whole city, the whole country repented. Even the king wore sackcloth and ashes So you say, what's going on in Nahum that they need to be destroyed? Well, 100 years later, that's about how long the span was between Jonah and Nahum. They've gone back to their old ways. A new king, a new thought process, and they are back to being just as vicious as they were. So it's not that the same people are being condemned. They were spared 100 years prior because they repented. But now they're back to their same old game, remember? Remember? God will not excuse our sin. Just because they made a good decision in the past, it does not cover who they are today. Now, this sounds very difficult because we're talking about grace and mercy and forgiveness. And the reason that we struggle with this is that we are not seeing grace and mercy in the context that it should be offered. We, we've created grace and mercy to be this free pass when actually there's nothing free about it. Well, not entirely. I promise I'm getting someplace. Now hang with me on this. Here's what it says in Nahum chapter 1, starting in verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. See, that's where I'm getting that from. God will not excuse your sin. The Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Now, how do we reconcile that with the fact that we talk about a God of mercy and a God of grace and a God of love? Well, if we look at this passage in context, we need to understand where that mercy and grace and love comes from. At the beginning of Nahum, he introduces the book, and then the Lord describes himself a jealous and avenging God. He's avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. Then it says he's slow to anger and great in power. So first of all, there actually is mercy there because he is a jealous and avenging and wrathful God, and he has promised to pour that out on his enemies and his adversaries. But even then, he is slow to anger and great in power. Yet, he will by no means clear the guilty. And then he goes on to describe himself in amazing ways. He is a whirlwind and a storm. The clouds are simply the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. All the rivers dry up. Mountains wither and forests wither. Mountains shake before him. Hills will melt away. The earth heaves. I think that's my favorite description in verse 5. The earth heaves before him, before the world and all who dwell in it. It's an amazing picture of a powerful God, but right in the centerpiece of this, it says he will by no means clear the guilty. So how do we have the right to preach grace and mercy? Because we do get out of God's wrath. We stop being his enemies, but not in the way that most of us think. We think we have averted, we have avoided his wrath, but that's never the case. The issue is that God's wrath was not averted. It was satisfied. You see, that's where Jesus comes in. Have you ever stood and tried to watch a pot boil? I mean, we—it's a common metaphor. You know, it's like watching a pot boil. But have you ever done it? You can sit there, and it seems like it takes forever. That flame underneath is raging. You can hear the gas pumping through, and uh, or, or maybe you can even see the red-hot electric uh, plate underneath. But but we just watch, and the water temperature rises, but there's no activity. And then after a long period of time, you see little bubbles on the bottom, and and then it comes to a place where where it simmers, but it seems to take forever for that thing to get to a place where it boils. And when it boils, sometimes it will boil violently and foam and come out over the top. I think that that's a great way of understanding God's wrath, that it's real, it's there, it's heating up. But because he is slow to anger, it takes forever. The only way to avoid the boiling point, the only way to avoid that, that final moment in which it bubbles over and, and, and there is no turning back is for the pot to be removed from the heat. You see, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He, he took us off that heating stove. Maybe we're at the place where the water's just starting to get warmer, or maybe we've lived long, life long enough that we see some bubbles forming, or maybe we're simmering or we're just on the edge. We, we have about come to the place where his slow to anger is still almost there. But if we will accept Jesus, he will take us from the stove. He, he'll remove us from that heat source. And what was coming will not come anymore. But the other half of that is that he lays himself down on that red-hot place. He, he puts himself in that place of God's wrath. You see, just because we didn't feel the wrath come upon us doesn't mean the wrath didn't come. We didn't avoid God's wrath. Jesus satisfied God's wrath in our place. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. You see, it hasn't been that he forgot it, he excused it, or he just looked the other way. Sin has to be atoned for. Wrong has to be held accountable. The good news for us is that Jesus removed us from the heat and put himself in that place. And it's not that God forgot about our sin. It's that our sin was paid for in the person of Jesus Christ. So as we look at this Old Testament book, we see a people who were once forgiven But as they went back to sinful ways, as a new generation embraced that, God said, I've been slow to anger. I've sent you prophets. I've given you mercy, even though you have been cruel and wicked and mean. And you need to know, by no means will I clear the guilty. Thanks be to God, you and I have the message of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, you and I have been saved from that fire. But the fact is, that fire still raged. It just burned our Savior Jesus in our place. This should make us worship him. This should make us praise him. This should make us love him all the more. And this should lead us to a place where we live our lives for him from this very day forward. It should make us cross-eyed as we look forward to this world, look into the days ahead through the eyes of the cross and what he's done for us. Our deserved wrath has been satisfied by what Jesus has done. What a great God we have. How amazing it is that he would give this gift to us. Thanks for listening. And uh, I think we might try a little bit more of this Nahum study because there's so much good stuff in here. But until next time, we'll see you later. Keep reading, keep studying, keep praying, keep sharing. God bless you. And thanks for checking out Cross-Eyed Life.